When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of At The Hive Live, part of the SB Nation Network of Podcasts. I'm Chase, and after a nice, long holiday vacation, James has rejoined me on the podcast. we got plenty of Hornets-related topics on the slate today, but James, you know we got to discuss your vacation first. Fill us in on, on what you did while you were in America and, and how your vacation was over the last couple of weeks. I know, I, th- I know you got back about a week ago, but fill us in. Yeah, it's good to be back. And uh, thank you for, for Max, Maxwell, for sitting in last week. Um, you know, interesting to hear your all-star talk. I know we're going to touch on it again later and I'll give some of my thoughts. But um, yeah, really enjoyed your guys' discussion. So um, props to Max for filling in. And yeah, vac- vacation was incredible. I mean, to get the opportunity to go away for over two weeks to the US, got to see my grandma for the first time in like five years. Uh, it's my fiance's family, some of them came, my mum was there as well. So like to have like not many times big family groups been together in the last two years and to get that be in the US where like COVID felt very far away where we were, we just had the best time. Getting there and getting back was a freaking nightmare. Like between all the COVID testing and everything. I mean, if, if you don't know how to work technology and apps, you just can't travel. Like my mum would not be able to travel right now. Um, and then it didn't help that the, the evening about, what was it? 18 hours before our flight, Virgin Atlantic canceled our booking by mistake. Um, oh, that's a, that's that a timely was, mistake. <laughs> that was, yeah. And their customer services didn't open until six hours before our flight left. Oh, right? great. Yeah. Perfect. That was possibly the most stressful 12 hour period of my life yeah. where essentially one member of our party, my fiance's sister might not have been coming despite already of like traveling five hour drive up to come to here and do all the testing, her booking had been canceled for no reason. Uh, but once we resolved that, it was fine in the end, despite <laughs> me literally like growing gray hairs overnight. And um, yeah, America was incredible. I have to say, look, I know Americans like to make, take the mick out of their own country a lot of time. I absolutely love it over there. I always have a great time. Um, everyone's really friendly. Um, yeah just has such a good time so yeah looking forward to talking about it 
So I, I know you were in like the Florida, Alabama border area. Did you go to like the beach at all? Was it really warm down there? I mean, it's like it. I have no no idea what warmth feels like anymore. So what was it? Was the weather nice at least? <laughs> well, especially I feel I feel sorry talking about this with you, Chase, because ch- today Chase told me it was uh, what was it in Fahrenheit? It was negative sixteen degrees Fahrenheit this afternoon in in Maine. Not not fun. <laughs> James's James's vacation definitely had better weather than than what I'm going through right now. Yeah, is and was that Fahrenheit or was that Celsius? I don't Fahrenheit. That's Fahrenheit. Yeah, you negative Celsius is like minus sixteen or something like it was just so cold. So, uh, yeah, for me it was between like seventy and seventy eight degrees Fahrenheit for pretty there much two for just over two weeks. We were next to the pool. We were on the beach chilling out on Christmas day. Like we had two days when we first arrived, but we were mostly like traveling around and doing stuff where it was like, not great. But um, after that, our weather is incredible. Like I think they said it was one of the warmest days on record in Alabama on Christmas day. Um, So yeah, we got so lucky. And then literally the day we left, like snow blizzards hit where we were as well. So it was just completely, we just arrived this little like two and a bit week gap, which is perfect. And well, look, we even survived a tornado warning as well. Um, that was fun. We you really just, got it all. Oh, we were sitting outside and all of a sudden we're like, oh, there's a siren. And then the TV comes on and there's a tornado warning. And I think like most people in Alabama are probably used to that happening like every few weeks or whatever. But like for us and some of like the people we're traveling with have never been anywhere. I've been there before, but where there's been a tornado warning on the TV and they thought it was a joke. And I was like, no, it's the the siren is real. Um, but it's, we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. But uh, yeah, we had some, we had some extreme weathers for a period, but um, yeah, it was like nicer than an English summer. So cannot complain. All right. I got a couple questions for you about it before we roll into our Hornets discussion in a few minutes. First, did you, visit or drive by or go anywhere in the vicinity of the sporting goods store where you bought your Adam Morrison Jersey that originally made you a Charlotte Bobcats fan over a decade ago. You know, I, I went in that store chase. Oh my, I was, I was hoping you would say that. Yes. <laughs> yes. Awesome. I went into Reebok at the Tanger outlet in Foley, Alabama. Um, they, I think Reebok stopped doing NBA jerseys now, so they don't have NBA jerseys anymore. But I always, I always go in there. It's a sentimental. It's like, you know, visiting a monument. That's, right. That's, it's like, it's like a chapter of your life opened in that Absolutely. store. Absolutely. And I'm happy to say I bought boxes, <laughs> and that's that is what I bought from the Reebok store this time. Is my ode to Adam Morrison was a pair, of, a set of three underpants, which I'm very, very happy with so far um yeah so i did i did visit and i i i made sure to buy some in. all right so it sounds like you at least got two solid purchases out of that rebox store it, it seems like a good place for you what um, was the what was the best meal that you ate that was either like home cooked or at a restaurant that you wouldn't necessarily have eaten in england yeah so on one of my first nights we went to this place called louisiana lanyap which lanyap is cajun Okay. For a bit extra, okay. So there's some education for British listeners or, or, or even American listeners. I know most people won't know that unless they're Cajun, um, which is like proper Louisiana Cajun food, um, and had some like blackened shrimp, some jambalaya. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was really good on our on very first night. And I saw one of my. I've been going to the states for that area because my grandma lives there for 
20 plus years, uh, yeah, about 20 years now. And um, I got a friend out there who I go fishing with, who I've kind of see whenever I go out there and, and he was able to meet us up and I was able to see him as well. So um, he's like one of probably the Alabama, Florida's like most successful fishing guides, captains. Um, he works at a tackle shop and does guides, articles, TV shows and everything down there. But uh, yeah, able to see him as well. So good company made the trip. That's awesome. Did you go fishing while you were there? I, the, after Hornets basketball, uh, the the topics of importance on this podcast are pro- food and fishing are probably near the top of the list after Hornets basketball. Did you get to go while you were there though? Oh yeah. I went oh, twice. We I, um, we went out for strikes for uh, striped bass, um, okay. in a pedal, pedal kayaks at night in the middle of the night. That was cool as hell. There was an, I, I got scared. There was a, I was fishing next to a dock and I was literally next to this dock and I turned to my left chase. There was an owl the size of two basketballs. <laughs> sitting on the pole of the dock probably about staring at you four feet away from me staring at me in my kayak and i absolutely shit my pants yeah he was wait, he was waiting for you to leave he was he wasn't leaving <laughs> he was he was, he like, was just <laughs> sitting there watching me and i was like oh my god so yeah went went out for striped bass got a striped bass never caught one of those before and went out for a an alabama tarpon um which i can't even reveal where we caught them because my friend will will be quite annoyed oh that's that a good that's a good that spot then. if you won't let you tell people that's a good spot no 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 it's alabama tarpon in, in the winter a lot of people tell you they don't exist but they do so uh yeah that was that was incredible i never i hooked two landed one um it was not big like six seven pounds something like that but um hey we that's what we went out for and we got it so it was awesome yeah there you go that sounds like it would have been a blast one more you were able to watch a Hornets game at a reasonable hour or mu- multiple, maybe. What, what, would, what was your experience like watching a game at, at 7 p.m. and being able to go to bed afterwards and kind of decompress after the game instead of having to wait up until the middle, middle of the night and stay up till 2 a.m.? Really? Terrible. Yeah. I, Just because you're not I know used to it? I know it's ridiculous, but there's so many issues with games being on at like prime time, right? Firstly... Like, I can't just leave in the middle of, like, the holiday vacation period and be like, right, everyone, I'm going for two and a half hours and just watch TV in the room by myself. Like, it's not the socially done thing, right, to just take yourself away. So I had to, you know, be polite and figure out where I could watch it and when not to. And, like, even at one point, we were, we were watching the indie game, and I think it was, like, India had just come back. I thought the Hornets were up for quite a few. Indiana had come back. It was quite close in the fourth quarter. And... I was just going to leave the tea on while we, the TV on while we had a uh, dinner and my mum being, being what mums do was like, no, turn the TV off. And I was like, I'm like 30 years old now. I'm like, but mum, like the Hornets are on. It's like five minutes to go. It's a three point game. She's like, no, I've been cooking dinner. We're going to eat TV. And I was like, for fuck's sake. <laughs> so I, had to, I had to turn the Pacers game off, which later on I, I checked and that obviously we won. Um, so yeah, it wasn't great because I didn't get to like, I only got to kind of sit down and properly watch one full game, um, which is the Utah game. Um, it was actually quite funny on the, my plane journey back. It was the same time we were playing the Suns and the Wi-Fi on the plane. Um, it only gave you access to Facebook messenger, right? So you couldn't Google anything, but you had Facebook messenger. So I messaged Nick Denning, friend of the program. Uh, we'll be having him on in a few weeks and said, Hey Nick, random one. I'm in the air somewhere over Washington. Could you keep me update with the Suns Hornets score 
I only have Facebook Messenger. And I, I swear to God, and I have the messages to prove this. I said to Nick, I'm really interested to see what Jalen Smith does for the Suns because they declined his rookie contract and he's a free agent big and he's had a couple of good games recently. And then Nick was texting me like, uh, James, Jalen Smith just dunked all over Mason Plumley, and it's a good game to miss because they're getting absolutely destroyed. Um, so shout out for Nick for giving me kind of quarter by quarter updates on the apathetic Hornets performance against the Suns, which to be honest, I'm, I'm glad I was in the air because I think that would have been a frustrating one. Yeah, it, pr- it probably would have. That one wasn't wasn't a very good time. I, I, mu- I must admit. I mean, even though the the Jalen Smith explosion happened, which seems to have been spoken to, into existence by you through Facebook <laughs> Messenger with Nick, but I mean, we'll we'll have to take that one in stride. But you know, I think that we'll we'll roll into the Hornets discussion in a second. We're gonna we're gonna take a quick ad break here, but after we get back from that, we're gonna talk about a ESPN piece from Bobby Marks that details all sorts of trade options and what he thinks might happen with all the teams in the NBA. We'll discuss the Hornets segment of that. And like I did last week with Maxwell, I'm going to get James's all-star thoughts. We'll talk about Lamella. We'll talk about miles, all the other players that are kind of jostling for position with them. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys in a minute. Welcome back to At The Hive Live. I'm Chase, I'm here with James. And now we are going to discuss the ESPN piece that Bobby Marks posted today. It's called What To Watch For Every NBA Team Ahead Of The Trade Deadline. We're gonna talk about the Hornets section here. There's there's quite a bit to discuss that are in, in the piece that he detailed a lot for every team. It, it's quite an expansive piece that he wrote today. So James, do you wanna give the listeners more of a deep dive on what, what the Hornets section's about? Yeah, I mean, we're approaching trade season, right? Um, and he kind of did a primer for every single team. Um, just the Hornets being one, it wasn't specifically about the Hornets, but then he threw out kind of a suggested trade for every single team. And, and you got to think some of this is for clicks, right? It's to get fan bases talking. Uh, it's not, he's not reporting it. He's just throwing out there something that he thinks kind of works. On Let's go. Let's go. The Sorry. Sorry to interrupt you. The Giants fired New York or the New York Giants fired Joe Judge and the, this is this is a big moment for me. I happened to be scrolling through through Twitter to uh, find something for the podcast, and I saw that I I should have I, I should have probably dialed that one back a little bit for for purposes. But I I am I maybe I'm glad we caught that. So, Ooh, wow, that's incredible. This is a big night for me. Sorry about that. I thought I I, I follow the NFL like very casually. Was, was it not reported that they were going to bring him back? No, yeah, it was because I mean they're they're the, like they're the the picture of of dysfunction really they're the and charlotte bobcats of the nfl right they, yeah li- literally they they have been over the last like five four or five years um and they it was reported that he was he was going to get fired and then he was going to come back and now he's gotten fired i mean if it, if this only happens to a franchise like the giants where you think your coach is going to be gone and then come back and then actually be gone within like 48 hours but i mean they're terrible so fire uh, that this is not this is not a bad thing necessarily so well, i mean I, I'm, um, I'm good Congratulations on your loss. Thank you. I mean, yes, thank you for thank you for my <laughs> loss. I really appreciate that. And uh, now everyone loves the uh, what the Dolphins head coach is it? What's his name? Yeah, Brian Flores. He is a good coach. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Giants interview him now. Whoa, let's go! Oh God, <laughs> I, this is a huge sidetrack from Charlotte Hornets basketball and and the the Bobby Marks piece. But we've we've been talking about Cajun food and the New York Giants. It's it's got off topic quickly, but we're gonna we're gonna get back on track here. So yeah, the 
the the Bobby Marks piece um, in there, he throws out a trade, which no surprise, it's for Miles Turner. Like we've done the Miles Turner hokey cokey now for two or three seasons. Um, but he, the, the the trade he throws out, Chase, is James Bucknight and Mason Pumley for Miles Turner, which I, I've not seen suggested that much elsewhere by fans. Normally they're suggesting to send back PJ Washington as the kind of young asset rather than James Bucknight. But it's just speculation. It's for clicks. It's to get us talking. It's worked. We're talking about it. Like, Chase, what, what would your thoughts be? I know we've talked about Turner before, so we're not going to talk about too much about what Turner will add to the team because it's something we've discussed before. But that trade specifically, is there anything that, that stands out? Have you changed your stance at all for any reason? Uh, I mean, no, I don't think I've necessarily changed my stance, uh, like, towards getting Miles Turner. I honestly think I might have fallen away from trading for like, like trading actual assets. Like, like right. I don't think I would give up book night for really any center that would presumably be on the market. Like one that maybe there's somebody that we don't know that it would be worth giving up that like, we don't know they're available right now because we don't have intimate knowledge of the NBA trade market. But yeah, I mean, to to give up Plumlee who you kind of would want still as a backup center, even if you're trading for another one, because whether or not we think Nick is a capable backup center is one thing. He hasn't been getting like the minutes of a capable backup center for really like all season and except for when the team like wasn't healthy. So I don't think that like if they roll into the playoffs with center X, if it's not Plumlee that they trade for, and then Nick Richards is the number two true center on the roster. I don't think that he's going to play. I think that they'll be in the same situation where they have one actual big guy and then they have to play with PJ and miles for the rest of the minutes. So yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not sure where, where I land necessarily still on like the whole, the Hornets trade market thing. Cause the last, like the last couple of game, or games specifically against the bucks and really the last like week or so have been they kind of encouraging. Fun. So I don't, I don't, I, I'm, I'm a, in a bit more of a, a lukewarm stance on, on making like a big swing with like actual assets, like giving up book night would, would probably, that would, that would be difficult for me to do because he hasn't really played yet either. So it's kind of like an unknown commodity. And I feel like also uh, something that Bobby Marks talks about is that since Mitch Kupchak took over as GM in 2018, the only regular season trade he's made is one the Hornets uh, acquired Brad Wanamaker at the deadline last year and the Hornets traded Woo, nothing big him. move. Yeah. Big yeah. Right. Move. Like they, they literally didn't give up anything <laughs> for that. So it was essentially like they just signed a free agent, but they just did it through the golden state warriors instead of like submitting paperwork to the NBA or something like that. So Mitch is how not many, an in-season moves guy. Clearly. How many days do you think, you know, Kupchak and MJ have to sit on that Wanamaker trade, you, you know, discussions deliberating that open roster spot that had to be that 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 main contract i mean big decision that Uh, no no i I think you're completely right the the track record so far has suggested he is not an in-season moves guy so i always think and i said this last year any move i would always class as less than 50 percent unlikely i have to say before but before i actually saw the article i saw someone tweeted out saying would you do Buck Knight and Plumley for Turner as a vote. And there was a yes and a no. And I literally, this is before we even discussed about this being on the pod today. I went to vote and my, my finger like hovered over the buttons for like a good five seconds because <laughs> I was not sure what to do. I was, I was really torn. You're talking about taking a complete unknown and Buck Knight, trading it for someone that's known. And it's, 
Like, who can project out three, four, five years to what James Booknight will be? No, nobody can accurately. So <clears throat> I was really difficult. I, I actually voted in the end, if I had to vote. I voted yes, because there's a couple of reasons. I think for this team specifically, I, I think actually in a vacuum, I would rather have Buck over Miles Turner. But for this team specifically, I just struggle to see the path that Buck Knight is going to get major minutes in like the next couple of years. And the Hornets have a massive gap at center. Like Terror is here. We already know he signed on that uh, extension over the, just before the season. So he's going to be here for the duration of Buck Knight's rookie contract. So already Buck Knight ain't starting at small forward. It's not going to happen. So he's a bench player for the next four years. He's, he's going to be likely a bench player. After that, like even with Kelly Oubre out in health and safety protocols, Cody Martin's taking all the minutes. So, and you've got Kelly Oubre as well, who I know might be here next year. So Oubre, Martin, Rosier, those three guys, where is his path to minutes consistently? And if he's not getting minutes, is he going to develop? If he's not getting minutes, is he going to be happy? Um, do we need another kind of scorer on this team or do we need interior rebounding and defense? I think that's the reason when I looked at this earlier, that vote, I decided to go with Turner, the Turner option as a yes, because I just think for this team specifically and how it's built, because I don't see a necessary clear path to get that upgraded big and that rim protector. Whereas like ball handling scorers, I think we're kind of good there for the next two or three years. Now this is the famous thing where you, you look back in five years and you go, oh my God, I was saying, you know, we were fine. We were fine to trade James Booknight and because we were happy with Kelly Oubre and everyone laughs at me. But right now, that's that's kind of how I feel. I mean, and that's totally. I mean, that's a justified feeling because even if Oubre isn't like, you know, he's not some guy that's signed to a long term contract or that's super young or something like that. Over the next two seasons, if he shoots the way that he does, he's significantly outplaying the contract you signed him to, and is playing like a really valuable role as your sixth seventh man and even if book night for in whatever whatever way overtakes somebody to get minutes like him him and Ubre could still be a part of the scenario together what something that i also thought that i was glad that he noted was that he talked about the protections that the hornets have on their draft picks they have a top 18 protected pick that's we're supposed to go to the knicks right now it's top 18 for 2022 and then that progressively goes down for the next couple of years after that. So in order to move a first round pick that is sooner than 2024, they would have to get rid of the protections on that pick and just give it to the Knicks this year. So that, I mean, that would be something that, I mean, I can't imagine that that's encouraging Mitch Kupchak to make a move in any way. So I, that's, I mean, that could be another thing that like, maybe they have something on the table. Maybe he does want to do something, but he's just like, we're, we're probably not going to be outside the top, 18 this year like why don't we just keep our pick get one more solid pick and then next year we can like remove the protections on it and give it to them and like make a deal in the offseason or something like that yeah and that was one of the challenges about that Kai Jones trade I I like the protection because it kind of safeguarded us from giving up a a high lottery pick yeah it's it's a it's good protect like when he made that deal that that's a very good trade it's just like you can't predict like a situation like this like six months down the road yeah, and but I also think he probably made that trade knowing he's not a a big trading GM. Like he's not a guy who just is going to be making lots of moves, especially in season. So he's made that trade thinking, well, 
we're going to do player development. We're going to do it in-house. We don't, we don't expect to be adding lots of people to our team in the short term. Um, so we're ha- happy to move this one first round pick. So, yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, a couple of things. I mean, we're a little bit further on into the season now than when we first talked about this. And I think one thing worth noting is Indiana, if they were to trade people away as Orlando did last year, you know, when they traded away Aaron Gordon and Nikola Vucevic, they could very easily get a top four, top five draft pick this season. Like, okay, they're one, two wins ahead of OKC and behind Detroit and like Orlando, the only other two worst teams. Then it's Indiana. So there was that article a while ago, I think from Sham saying like, we'll have to see how it goes to Indiana, but they can go one of two ways, depending how the next like time plays out. It's not playing out well. So I, I really do think they could be in that market of looking to sell off some assets. Some interesting things, Miles Turner, when Sabonis is off the floor, some just Miles Turner is the center for Indiana, they had a defensive rating of 120, which is terrible. Like that would, that would be very, very bad. And if that was like extrapolated as a over a whole team's defensive rating, that would be really bad. That's third percentile in the entire NBA for, yeah. for, for Miles Turner playing center by himself. And then I wanted to look at what was Sabonis's with him on and Miles Turner off. You know, Sabonis has not played a single minute in the NBA this year without Miles Turner on the floor. Like, how bizarre is that? Not one minute. Like, that blew my mind. Um, so I just wanted to share that because that was strange. But, like, for those thinking, like, Miles Turner, he's going to solve the defense. He's not solved it for Indiana. And a couple of other things, I started looking at, like, who are the guys you need Miles Turner against? Like, Joel Embiid, right? Uh, Nikola Jokic, Nick Vucevic. Steven Adams, those like kind of really big guys, Jonas Valanciunas, those guys who give the Hornets problems. I went and looked at the head <clears throat> at the head-to-heads of when Joel Embiid and like Miles Turner have played over the years. Joel Embiid's averages against Miles Turner in 11 games played. And I know they're not always playing each other head-to-head the whole time, but just generally, like, how has Joel Embiid done when he's played Miles Turner's paces? 28 points, 12 and a half rebounds, three and a half assists, two blocks, one and a half steals. Those are pretty similar to numbers that he's put up against the Hornets. Same against Jokic, 24 points, 10 rebounds, five assists, two steals for Jokic. Um, Nikola Vucevic, 19 points, 11 rebounds, three assists. So if you're thinking that he's going to be the the guy to resolve the, the big men hurting the Hornets inside, it's not the case. What he's actually better at is actually swatting shots away from smaller guys and wings rather than defending big big men. So I just wanted to kind of put that out there so people realize that this is not like we've suddenly got some lockdown defender for all the bigs in the NBA. That that would not be the case even if we did trade for Miles Turner. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad that you said that because he's definitely more of like, he's more of a help side defender than someone yeah. that you're funneling everything to and being like, okay, Terry and LaMelo just got beat we can just rely on Miles Turner to stop whoever it is or, you know, step up and, you know, guard to guard the man, guard the guard and guard his man in space or something like that at the same time. That's just not necessarily a part of his game, even though he is a very good defender. But I mean, and another thing for the Hornets that is they don't necessarily need to like become a good quote unquote by NBA standards defense. Like they just need to not be 28. Like if they could go to from 28 to like, 20th or something that would be perfectly fine but it's I, I I'm with you I don't I still don't necessarily think that Miles Turner or really any 
center that's on the market right now is going to, is going to do that. And I don't think it would just be a center. They'd probably need like a backcourt defender. That's like really good, like a backup point guard that could play really good defense or something like that. Like a Ben Simmons. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Backup point guard. Exactly. (laughs) Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, this is a little interesting one. So if you trade, if Turner's got two years left on his contract, right? Um, if you traded for him, you'd probably be trading him to try and get him on the his extension. So he would be eligible to sign a three-year, 70 million extension, which is about 23 per year. Because after this, after the season, he becomes uh, he's on a one-year expiring contract. Like if you traded for him, would you be happy to give him that full three-year, 70 million? kind of dollar extension like i i personally like as as a, somebody that's not necessarily like a, a huge fan of, of his game in general probably not and especially because you have you have kai jones waiting in the wings like they, you kind of drafted him with the hopes that he would be a like he would give you the things that you're hoping miles turner is going to give you if you trade for him like shot blocking like you know, not that no, level of shot block. No, 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 definitely no. not. But like some some level of like defensive activity out of a guy that is very long. He can space the floor a little bit too. Kai is way more of a lob threat than Miles Turner will. I mean, even now, probably much less when he is in his prime. But I think, yeah, I, I think that part part of the the center equation is definitely like they eventually they try. I mean, they traded a pick for him, like we talked about with the protections on the pick for the Knicks. So they, they got to have some sort of faith that he's going to end up being at least like a rotation player for them or something. They're probably going to want to carve out minutes for him eventually. Maybe not, definitely not this year, maybe not next year, but I don't know. I, I can't, ima- I can't imagine the Hornets spending like big money on the center position anytime soon. Well, I just think if you trade for him, I think you have to be happy to give him that extension because then you're, trading away book night for like a one and a half year rental so right and that yeah that, that's just com- that's how i always look at management. it yeah you're you're trading him with an agreement with his agent that he will take that three year 70 million or if he'll take less you know 23 million per year is quite a lot if he were to take 20 but he'd, he'd probably want more but i mean even in that indiana game where they played the hornets i was watching miles turner and there was one point where he had a mismatch on I don't know. It was like Terrorizer, I think. And he posted up and he's calling for the ball. And Sabonis like took a contested three. And you just saw Miles Turner just like slump his shoulders, turn around and walk back on defense. Cause he was like, I've got freaking six foot two Terrorizer on me. I've got a mismatch in the post. And Sabonis, you just completely freaking ignored me and taken a, like, a contested three. And you're a 20 something percent three-point shooter like what what am I even doing here you can see him thinking why am I even trying and that that happened a few times and that's just that one game I'm sure you see that every single night if you're watching the paces um so yeah he's not happy there I I think he'd be much happier in Charlotte in that system where he'd get an opportunity uh but like you say I mean last two weeks Chase last four games Hornets are 15th in defense yeah um, and we did that before, like for like a look, 10 game stretch and we were something like that as well. But, um, yeah, when they like beat if, the, the warriors and the wizards that, yeah, yeah. That, they were really good over that stretch too. So they've shown flashes, but to do it consistently is, is obviously different. All right. So before we roll into the all-star discussion really quick, I want to get your thoughts on this. Cause I remember the last podcast that we posted that we did together, ATH commenter, Buzz Lightyear, shout out to him. He commented 
to or asked us to talk about Christian Wood as a trade target. I okay. he's another one that that like I'm pretty much like all the way out on. I don't he would be he doesn't solve any of the Hornets defensive problems and he is a very good offensive player and would probably fit really well. But I mean, they, they have a couple of guys that play in the front court that theoretically fit really well offensively already. And you'd have to trade like an actual asset for Christian Wood because he's a good player and the Rockets probably value him. So what, 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 what do you think about that though? Um, I, I don't think, I, I don't think they'll do it. I, I think they've had multiple opportunities with Christian Wood. I mean, they had him on the roster for a year. They, yeah, that's true. They got... know him as like a person, not not yeah. a player. Like, which is which is very important. They could have gotten him in free agency. Like, he ended up taking what many thought was a discount deal in Houston. Um, he didn't he ref- he refused to go in a game a week and a half, a couple of weeks ago in the second so. half for Houston. Um, he's not a good defensive player. Um, that that's what we need from that center position. We need toughness. We need defense. We need rebounding. He, he's a pretty good defensive rebounder, but he's just not what we need defensively. He, he's another like kind of like thin guy. He's not going to add that size and bulk. Um, he's not going to be able to guard the big guys. I think PJ Washington will probably do a better job guarding yeah. some of the big guys with Giannis or Jokic or Embiid than, than Christian Wood. So like, no doubt, if you could tell me, like, you could add Christian Wood to this roster, do you think it makes it better? Probably. But I, I wouldn't want to be giving up the assets for, for Christian Wood. If, if I'm going to have assets, I want it to be someone who I know can definitely fit in. So he's going to he's gonna put up numbers when he gets the opportunity. He just is. He, he is talented. He's hard to stop. But I also don't think he fits very well into the, the kind of Hornets passing, sharing style of offense either. Um, so I, I'd stay away for like the cost of what it would take. I, I wouldn't go near Christian Wood at the moment. And I, I don't think the team will. Yep. I completely agree on all fronts, but thank you both lately for, for pausing the question. And if anybody that is listening to this also wants us to talk about any specific player or idea or thought or opinion that they have, just let us know. And we'll do that. We're always looking for things to talk about. So we're going to take a quick break here again, and then we will get back to the all-star discussion in just a second. All right, welcome back again, and we are here to get James's thoughts on the All-Star game. LaMelo Ball and Miles Bridges are, I mean, for the first time in years, the Hornets have two legitimate All-Star candidates that have gotten some some league-wide buzz. At the first round of fan voting, which came out about a week before we were recording this episode, there will probably be another update that comes out very soon. Uh, LaMelo was fifth among Eastern Conference guards. Miles was eighth among Eastern Conference frontcourt players. The top two guards are voted in as starters, and then the top three front court players are voted in as starters. And then from there, the coaches pick the remaining seven reserves. 
um, for to to fill out the, all, the bench and the twelve spots on the All Star roster. So, James, I mean, we assume you know Trey, Trey Young, James Harden, Demar Derozan, Zach Levine. Those are the top four in voting. Uh, they're probably, I mean, I don't know. They're pro- pretty clearly like the top four guards in the yeah. East this year. Like I'd say they're deserved. All yeah, deserved. very, very well deserved. I don't know who, like whether the voting pans out, which of those four is starting. I have no idea, but those four are, we can assume that they're locks. So beyond that, there will probably be one, maybe two backcourt players selected, depending on how the coaches balance out the backcourt and frontcourt players on the bench. And then Miles, I mean, Miles being eighth in voting, we, I don't think he's we, he's he's not going to make it right. Like he's you not, don't he's think not so. Getting in. He is, no. but that doesn't mean he's not playing like an all star. He's he's been very good. It doesn't mean that he's like like it's not disappointing or anything for him to not make it. But I I don't I don't, I don't think that that's necessarily a possibility for him anymore. Hey, might help our chances to resign him in the summer. Hey, <laughs> might make there it we, a yeah. Cheaper. Honestly, so. that, that's a that's a good way to look at it from from yeah. Hornets' perspective. So I mean, he's still playing well. Maybe make some ten million dollars cheaper on on the free agent market. So that that got to start out. making some shots. That's the only thing with Miles. His, his shots deserted him a bit this year. The, he's the only guy on the team I think shooting below like thirty six percent. He's playing any rotation minutes from three who, who takes them. So if and like his, even his free throw has been a bit off, which is just weird. I, I mean, he's leading. He's still really high in minutes. We talked about this before, and I still I still think that is affecting him. But you know, he even said the other day that he can't. Can't can't throw the ball in the ocean at the moment. So, um, but there's been a little some signs of life recently. Some small signs of life. Yeah, I mean, hopefully he can at least start to build some momentum here soon. But Lamelo, on the other hand, has a, a pretty legitimate shot to make the All Star team this year. There are the the NBA is a is a very talented league right now in general. But the guard the guard spot in the East is pretty deep. I mean, they're along with LaMelo. I mean, you have Jalen Brown, Darius Garland, Fred Van Vliet, uh, you know, DeMar DeRozan is there. They're Drew Holiday. There's there's so many good players that in Mo, Kyle Lowry, there's in most years would be an all star, like hands down. But it's it's a tough crowd these days that you got to fight through. So, Jay, where do you think that he lands among, you know, that crowd of, of guards? That's not not ne- not a lock, but has a chance to get in there. If you were a coach, would you pick him for the All-Star game? Oh, if I was a coach, would I pick him? Um, You know what? I think I probably would. I, I do honestly think he's got a really good chance to get in for a couple of reasons. I think this is one thing that helps the Mellow's cause is like someone, like the way voters work, and I know this is more media than coaches, but like, well, the Hornets are a playoff team, so they've got to have an All-Star. And if you're going to pick someone from the Hornets, it would probably be LaMelo. So I think that's the big case for him. Like some, like look at Cleveland, you've got Darius Garland, you've got Jarrett Allen, you've got Evan Mobley, you, you know, you've got guys who are having really good seasons there and they're almost kind of, only one of them can go. And you, you wonder if they'll, some coaches will think, oh, Jarrett Allen's the guy. Some people think Darius Garland's the guy. With Charlotte, I think it's pretty clear who the guy is from Charlotte. So I, I think that helps him. Um, I think the other thing, and I, I don't know how much this plays into coaches. I actually think media care about this maybe less than coaches. He's made for an all-star game. I mean, he's made for all-star weekend, the skills challenge, like just what, whatever it is, throw the mellow in there. He's going to make it unique. Like you've never seen it before because like, like his motto, he is one of one. Um, so, I, you know, seeing him in an all-star setting would be great. Um, 
And, you know, with defense isn't as cared about, you don't generally see him in the kind of the all-star rankings. So I think, I think he's got a good chance. I, I mean, we've talked about some of the options. I think Fred Van Vliet is a lock. I think you can lock him in. Yeah. You know, the he's Raptors are rolling sure. right now. His advanced stats are just off the freaking charts compared to a lot of the other guys. Um, <clears throat> he's playing particularly well over the stretch. He's getting the momentum at the really good time. You know, the Raptors had a slow start, but they're really coming on now. I think Fred Van Vliet is a lock, and a lot of fans are probably going to be pretty annoyed at that, that that's the case. I think after that, it comes down to one spot probably between like Lamelo, Drew Holiday, Darius Garland, Jalen Brown, and Bradley Beal, which is a talented bunch for the last all-star spot. And let's, you know, we never know. There might be an injury or two here or there, but looking through that list, Drew Holiday's missed some time. But if, you know, if the books were really good, people would say, well, they need to have two all-stars. That's what they generally say. But they, they've been struggling a little bit recently. Um, especially with those two losses to Charlotte. Just thought I'd, I'd mention that. Um, Darius Garland for the Cavs. I'd say he's probably the biggest threat over Brown and Beal, despite them both being All-Stars before. Beal had his struggles. Brown, you know, the, the Celtics aren't doing as well this year. So I think it's between Garland and Lamelo, and their numbers are actually, outside of the rebounding, their numbers are almost identical in shooting percentages, points, assists. It's really close. And the Cavs have a slightly better record at the moment. And I think that's what's going to kind of, if Garland gets it, I think it will be due to the Cavs' better record rather than anything to do with the melee. So I put a little something together here today while I was prepping for the show. I did like an all-star candidacy comparison between the four players that we've talked about. Lamelo, Jalen Brown, Darius Garland, and Fred Van Vliet. It was, I mean, it's just, I... It was, I, they were picked just up. I did tried to cover all the bases and that you can have with like stats and accolades and advanced stats and, and things like that for all these guys, uh, like shooting percentages, scoring per game, assists and rebounds and steals per, per 100 and percentages, you know, on off point differential, double doubles, 30 point games, everything. Uh, how many, how many criteria have you tracked here, Chase? How many there, there, there were data? 14. I did 14 oh different, God. uh, different yes, statistics. Love it. So and, and it, I got a couple of the catch-all me. ones too, like 538's Raptor, LeBron from uh, Basketball Index, BPM yes. and Win Shares. More. So I I did so I did every player's stats for all of those, counted them up like which which player was the leader for each one and which player had won the most categories. So Fred Van Vliet was the leader with seven. That probably backs up what you were saying that he's a lock. I, I think I agree with that. Like I, I can't imagine that he wouldn't make the all-star team this year, especially if he doesn't get voted in as a starter. Like I can't, the co- he's not a guy that coaches are going to pass up on. I don't think, uh, especially since he's kind of taken over the spot as like the, the clear best player on the Raptors. Lamelo was second with four categories. One, the, the categories that he is the leader in are I'd combined steals and blocks to do stocks per 100, uh, 3.1 per 100 possessions. He was the leader there. He leads the group in double doubles and obviously triple doubles because he has two. Jalen Brown's the only other one that has recorded a triple double. Uh, uh, Darius Garland had 10 double doubles as well, which I thought was 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 pretty impressive. That that's uh, he, he's a a very very consistent scorer and passer for the Cavs this year. And then obviously Lamelo is the leader in assist percentage and rebound percentage as well uh, among these four. So the the numbers 
that I have 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 chosen. Uh, and I'm sure I know those tell all that the, the NBA um, is probably rushing to adopt this step, uh, as their criteria for the All Star Game right now. But the numbers would say that Fred VanVleet and Lamelo uh, are at least deserving of making the All Star Game. And th- that's the other thing is there there are more than twelve like All Star level or I guess 24 all-star level players in the NBA every year. There's probably like close to 30. So, I mean, there, there are snubs every year. So it's just a matter of who it is. But, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll find out in a couple of weeks here. We're recording on January 11th and voting closes on January 22nd. So make sure you, you guys get those votes in as well. We got we to we gotta boost our boy Lamelo and Miles as much I'm- as we can. I don't think we've talked about All-Star too much because since we've been doing the polls since last year, they didn't really have an All-Star candidate. But so I don't know how you feel about this. Chase, do you care about All-Star recognition and do you care about the All-Star weekend in the game? So, like, yes. Uh, I think it, like, I don't think he has to make it, but for Lamelo, like, I think it would it would bode well for the, like, conversations that, Hornets fans have about him and the way they feel about him and the way that most basketball fans around the NBA feel about him. It would probably be good aesthetically for him to have like an all-star game on his resume in his second season. Uh, Cause that's what a lot of other players that, you know, we, that were on the same trajectory have done in their second season. That's kind of the, st- the leap you take is rookie of the year, all-star third, fourth year, you're, basically an all NBA player if you're on the trajectory that we think LaMelo is on. So I think that would be, that would, it would be like disappointing, not from like, Oh, he's been, he hasn't played well enough to make it like that sucks, but it would just be kind of like, Oh, the crunch just kind of weaseled him out of there. And you know, some other dessert, a fellow deserving player got in or something like that. But for a guy like miles, it doesn't necessarily matter. Cause it's kind of just like, it's a bonus. If he's an all-star, like it, you didn't draft him like outside of the top 10 banking on him being an all-star forward. I don't think they thought he'd probably be pretty good. And he has been. So, I mean, I feel like that's, that's pretty much, you're, you're definitely, you're winning that game already, but with, with LaMelo there, there's still, still room to grow, even though he's already like an incredible player, which just goes to show the potential that he has to, to lead the team in years to come. Yeah. I, th- I think like you said, for him to be on the team, the other thing to keep in mind here is, you know, we start talking about those recruitment opportunities for free agents, um, Team USC, Team USA, All-Star Games, you know, just being in those atmosphere, creating friendships and bonds with those other players. That's that's an important thing to do. And like we, we talked about trade assets earlier. I've been thinking last week or so, actually, and it's not really a section of the pod, but maybe Mitch just is sitting there thinking, I don't care about getting a starting center i'm focused on the next start because we need them the start to play with the mellow and i'm biding my time and saving my assets for that and so i, I think that definitely helps part of me thinks would be good in some ways a bit of a chip on mellow shoulder you know didn't make it need to make it next year like not get too carried away with his own success um he's obviously a confident guy he never doubts himself for a second but there's also an element of that that you know you hear people all the time when they get passed on things that they, they really use that as fire. And so I, I'm not somebody who cares about watching the all-star game at all. I don't watch any of it. Like, but I, I care more about all NBA than I do all-star. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then like all-star, I, I like the recognition. Um, and I think it's interesting a lot of time to see who coaches select. Like, I think this would be fascinating actually 
for the coaches to select who they think is most deserving out of Garland, Holiday, Lamelo, Brown, and Beal. That's really interesting. I think that tells you where like people we we always have our Hornets blinders on. You know that we well Hornets fans are watching Lamelo. It's great to kind of get a little bit of check and challenge from the coaches and how they rank these guys. All right. I think that's all we've got for the all-star discussion, which means that that's about all we've got for this episode. James, you got, you got anything else you want to say on your first episode back from vacation? It's, it's great to be back. Looking forward to an exciting second half of the season. This, I would want to make this marks a momentous podcast chase because I've just finished my Hornets notebook. I mean, this last podcast prep, I've just filled my notebook right here. And um, I got this notebook when I traveled to the, my first and only ever Hornets game which was December 2019, just before the pandemic. And for all of my articles, for all my podcast notes, it is all gone in this book. My scout reports for the draft is in this book. And um, today it is filled with this last podcast, the first one of 2022. So just wanted to pay my respects to my my podcast prep book. And um, yeah, I'll look forward to going back over that in a few years and and looking back at some of the the content I had in there. So I'm going to have to get a new notebook, Chase. I'll have to get that ahead of the next part. It sounds like you got to go to another Hornets game to 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 re- get this exact same notebook and just restart yes. it again. So it looks like you got to you got to book a flight to Charlotte. Oh, speaking of which, uh, for Christmas, my oh. family, uh, like a couple of separate members of my family who I very much appreciate, were nice oh. enough to buy me tickets to both of the Hornets games that are in Boston this year. So I will there see I'll see our bugs two separate times. One of them is in like. Uh, 12 days from when we're recording this the other one's early in february it's i'm, I'm very excited i had two, hey, two separate are... times like two weeks apart I, I, it's gonna be awesome can you not well it's probably too late now because you already got can you not lean on your main celtics pr contacts to get media access for some pre and post game for the hornets oh i don't think so. i don't think i could do that because i like work i like uh like work for the llc <laughs> Like that, that would, that would be putting on the game. So I, I don't think that that, I don't think that that would be allowed technically, but I mean, either way, I'm going to have a blast. Cause it's going to be, it's going to be awesome getting to see the, I mean, I haven't seen the Hornets since preseason of the 1920 season when they, when they were in Boston for a preseason game then. So it's, it's been a while for me too, but it wasn't that long after you saw them that I saw them for yeah. the last time. Well, that's also, that's in, so that's what, 12 days time. All right. Well, we'll definitely have. We'll definitely look forward to chatting to you on the pod after you attended that game. Be interesting to see. Yeah, so uh, that's exciting. That is exciting. Oh yeah, we're looking forward to it. Also, before we go, Spotify has implemented a rating system for podcasts. Any listeners that are using Spotify, if you would be kind enough to rate at the Hive Live five stars on your pod or Spotify account, we would love you forever for your entire life. Like no questions asked unless you do something really bad, then there'd probably be a question that we'd have to ask. But either way, if you'd like to rate our podcast five stars, we'd appreciate that. If you're on Apple Podcasts and if you you haven't done that already, we would still appreciate that. If you already have, guess what? We appreciate that. Thank you all for listening. We will see you guys again soon. Have a good one.